So we've been walking through the book of Acts today, or this year, <laughs> and um, most of the time we'll try to, to bite off maybe a couple verses, maybe at most a chapter. So I have a, 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 a news flash for you. We're going to attempt to cover four chapters today. Four chapters. All right? And so, uh, so get ready to do some reading. We're going to have some Lectio Divina today. We're going to read the Bible, a good chunk of it, and we're going to think about what it means and apply it to our lives, attempt to do that, okay? So, amen. Uh, who felt like they ate too much over Thanksgiving? Okay, not too many. That's pretty good. I know I felt like I did. Uh, who went on a run over Thanksgiving besides Chrissy? Okay, so a few of you, you ran? Wow, I didn't know, like up and down the stairs or something. Um, so, uh, um, so, yeah, um, you know, um, anyone who's run a race knows that it's not about how you start, right? It's about how you finish. And so it's not about how you start, it's how you finish. So there's hope for all you Packer fans still this season. Oh. And uh, Brenda Harris is like, yeah, go Bears. You know, I'm happy for you. Um, not about how you start, it's how you finish there, sister. Um, anyways. Try not to say too much about that little game later, um, but uh, we're going to be we're going to be seeing Paul kind of uh, begin the beginning of the end as far as his finish headed on into Rome. Okay, and so we're going to see how he the really the rest of the book of Acts is more it's kind of like a story telling Paul from his journey from Jerusalem on into Rome. Okay. And so it's really about how he finishes strong. Today we're going to talk about how he finishes strong through his trials. Paul goes through five separate trials, and we're going to see the strength that God provides through these trials. And then next week we're going to talk about how he finishes strong through storms. Now, any of us face trials in life or some stormy times, right? And so we're going to learn how to draw strength from God through these, from the Apostle Paul. And then... December uh, 9th, we're going to give a summary of the book of Acts. So we're going to wrap up by summarizing what we've learned from the book of Acts, some of the themes and highlights, and then December 16th is our holiday service. Ooh. And uh, 23rd, we're on into Christmas stuff. Okay, so three, three sermons left here in the book of Acts. But what I want to read here is 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. This is, this is Paul, I think, reflecting on his finish. He's at the end of his life. This is probably the last book that he, he wrote. And he's writing to Timothy, one of his closest friends. And he's thinking back on some of these trials. And he says in verse 16, At my first defense, no one supported me, but all deserted me. You know, a lot of times in our life, we look to other people for strength. And there's a right time and place. We need each other. We need each other's encouragement. But if our faith really is rooted and propped up by other people, God will make sure at some point that we get alone. And in Paul's trials, sometimes he had other people, but it says here at his first defense, no one was there. No one supported him. Reminds me of Jesus 
when at his darkest hour all the apostles deserted him and fled. And you're going to have times in your Christian journey where everyone around you is not going to be what you think they should be. <laughs> They're not going to be there. They're not going to give the, say the right things. They're, you're going to feel alone, etc., etc. And really at those times, you're going to learn how to draw strength from Jesus himself. Amen? It says, but the Lord stood with me. Or first of all, actually, it says, may it not be counted against them. One of the ways we receive strength from God is make sure we don't get bitter toward other people. It says, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that through me the proclamation might be fully accomplished and that all the Gentiles might hear and I was rescued out of the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Gloria de excelsis Deo. Forever and ever. Amen. Amen? So the theme here to the next couple of weeks is finishing strong. Paul says, I'm finishing strong. He calls Timothy to be strong amidst his trials and to take the gospel to the next generation. We understand that Christ's power is made perfect, not in our strength, but in our weakness. And he calls Timothy to be strong, not in his own righteousness, but is in Christ's righteousness, and therefore be strong in the grace. But sometimes uh, we get so focused on our own weaknesses and on God's grace that we forget that we're actually called to be strong. Amen? We're called as disciples to be strong in weakness and in God's grace, in trials, in storms, but to be strong through them. So let's go back to Acts chapter 22. We're going to pick up where we left off the last six weeks. Um, but a little bit of context. So Paul went around and he got money for the Jews in Jerusalem who were going through a famine. So he went around on his third missionary journey, collected this gift, and he gave it to the Jews. And he fulfilled some, um, some uh, temple purifications, that sort of thing. In other words, he did everything right for the sake of the unity between the Jews and the Gentiles. And yet we find that some Jews from Asia came and stirred up the Jews in Jerusalem, proclaiming that uh, Paul was against the Jewish law, against the temple, defiling the temple, all these false accusations, okay? So they get all riled up, and then we have Paul's defense in Acts 22, which we looked at the last number of weeks about how Paul experienced transformation by God, okay? So we're going to pick up in Acts chapter 22, verse 21, and I'm going to read through Acts chapter 26. I'm just going to read it all at once. It should probably take about 15 minutes or so. Okay, so I want to challenge us, challenge us not to let our minds wander. And actually, you probably find your mind wander. When you find it, just get it back focused. Okay, let's, let's, let's enter into this story. If you don't have a Bible, we're not going to show the words here. So if you don't have a Bible, just close your eyes and listen. Okay, listen to the Word of God. Listen to this story. And let's think about how the Spirit strengthened Paul through these five Trials. Actually, I have a slide for us before we start. 
This is just to kind of help us give a broad overview of these five different trials, okay? So if you kind of get lost, where are we again? I have um, the chapter here where Paul is at. He's in Jerusalem and in Caesarea. Uh, who he was brought before, he was brought before um, different, different people. Uh, what were the charges against him and what was the result, okay? So that kind of just frames our story a little bit. Uh, what we're going to be reading about. So if we kind of get lost, go ahead and look up there, and you'll be reminded uh, where we are. Okay, here we go. Acts chapter 22, verse 21. And he said to me, Go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. They listened to him up to this statement, and then they raised their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for he should not be allowed to live. And as they were crying out and throwing off their cloaks and tossing dust into the air, the commander ordered him to be brought into the barracks, stating that he should be examined by scourging so that he might find out the reason why they were shouting against him that way. But when they stretched him out with thongs, Paul said to the centurion who was standing by, Is it lawful for you to scourge a man who is a Roman and uncondemned? When the centurion heard this, he went to the commander and told him, saying, What are you about to do? For this man is a Roman. The commander came and said to him, Tell me, are you a Roman? And he said, Yes. The commander answered, I acquired this citizenship with a large sum of money. And Paul said, But I was actually born a citizen. Therefore, those who were about to examine him immediately let go of him. And the commander also was afraid when he found out that he was a Roman because he had put him in chains. But on the next day, wishing to know for certain why he had been accused by the Jews, he released him and ordered the chief priests and all the council to assemble and brought Paul down and set him before them. Paul, looking intently at the council, said, Brethren, I have lived my life with a perfectly good conscience before God up to this day. The high priest Ananias commanded those standing beside him to strike him on the mouth. Then Paul said to him, God is going to strike you, you whitewashed wall. Do you sit to try me according to the law and in violation of the law order me to be struck? But the bystanders said, Do you revile God's high priest? And Paul said, I was not aware, brethren, that he was high priest. For it is written, You shall not speak evil of a ruler of your people. But perceiving that one group were Sadducees, the other Pharisees, Paul began crying out in the council, Brethren, I am a Pharisee, a son of Pharisees. I am on trial for the hope and resurrection of the dead. As he said this, there occurred a dissension between the Pharisees and Sadducees, and the assembly was divided. For the Sadducees say that there is no resurrection, nor an angel, nor a spirit, but the Pharisees acknowledge them all. And there occurred a great uproar, and some of the scribes of the Pharisaic party stood up and began to argue heatedly, saying, We find nothing wrong with this man. Suppose a spirit or an angel has spoken to him. And a great dissension was developing. The commander was afraid Paul would be torn to pieces by them and ordered the troops to go down and take him away from them by force and bring him into the barracks. But on the night immediately following... The Lord stood at his side and said, Take courage, 
For as you have solemnly witnessed to my cause at Jerusalem, so you must witness at Rome also. When it was day, the Jews formed a conspiracy and bound themselves under an oath, saying that they would neither eat nor drink until they had killed Paul. There were more than 40 who formed this plot. They came to the chief priests and the elders and said, We have bound ourselves under a solemn oath to taste nothing until we have killed Paul. Now therefore you and the council notify the commander to bring him down to you as though you were going to determine his case by a more thorough investigation. And we for our part are ready to slay him before he comes near the place. The son of Paul's sister heard of their ambush. And he came and entered the barracks and told Paul. Paul told one of the centurions to him and said, Excuse me, Paul called one of the centurions to him and said, Lead this young man to the commander, for he has something to report to him. So he took him and led him to the commander and said, Paul, the prisoner, called me to him and asked me to lead this young man to you since he has something to tell you. The commander took him by the hand and stepped aside, began to inquire of him privately, What is it that you have to report to me? And he said, the Jews have agreed to ask you to bring Paul down tomorrow to the council as though they were going to inquire something, excuse me, inquire somewhat more thoroughly about him. So do not listen to them, for more than 40 of them are lying in wait for him who have bound themselves under a curse not to eat or drink until they slay him. And now they are ready and waiting for the promise from you. So the commander let the young man go, instructing him, tell no one that you have notified me of these things. And he called to him two of the centurions and said, Get 200 soldiers ready by the third hour of the night to proceed to Caesarea with 70 horsemen and 200 spearmen. They were also to provide mounts to Paul and on Paul to put Paul on and bring him safely to Felix, the governor. And he wrote a letter having this form. Claudius Lysias to the most excellent governor Felix, greetings. When this man was arrested by the Jews and was about to be slain by them, I came up to them with the troops and rescued him, having learned that he was a Roman. And wanting to ascertain the charge for which they were accusing him, I brought him down to their council. And I found him to be accused over questions about their law, but under no accusation deserving death or imprisonment. When I was informed that there would be a plot against this man, I sent, you, sent him to you at once also instructing his accusers to bring charges against him before you. So the soldiers, in accordance with their orders, took Paul and brought him by night to Antipatras. But the next day, leaving the horsemen to go on with him, they returned to the barracks. When these had come to Caesarea and delivered the letter to the governor, they also presented Paul to him. When he had read it, he asked from what province he was, and when he learned that he was from Cilicia, he said, I will give you a hearing after your accusers arrive also, giving orders for him to be kept in Herod's praetorium. After five days, the high priest, Ananias, came down with some elders, with an attorney named Tertullus, and they brought charges to the governor against Paul. After Paul had been summoned, Tertullus began to accuse him, saying to the governor, Since we have through you attained much peace, and since by your providence reforms are being carried out for this Nation, we acknowledge this in every way, in everywhere, most excellent Felix, with all thankfulness. But that I may not weary you any further, I beg you to grant us by your kindness a brief hearing, for we have found this man a real pest 
and a fellow who stirs up dissension among all the Jews throughout the world, and a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. And he even tried to desecrate the temple, and then we arrested him. We wanted to judge him according to our own law, but Lysias, the commander, came along and with much violence took him out of our hands, ordering his accusers to come before you. By examining him yourself concerning all these matters, you will be able to ascertain the things of which we accuse him. The Jews also joined in the attack, asserting that these things were so. When the governor had nodded for him to speak, Paul responded, Knowing that for many years you have been a judge to this nation, I cheerfully make my defense, since you can take note of the fact that no more than 12 days ago I went up to Jerusalem to worship. Neither in the temple, nor in the synagogues, nor in the city itself did they find me carrying on a discussion with anyone or causing a riot. Nor can they prove to you the charges of which they now accuse me. But this I admit to you that according to the way which they call a sect, I do serve the God of our fathers, believing everything that is in accordance with the law and that is written in the prophets, having a hope in God which these men cherish themselves, that there, that there shall certainly be a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. In view of this, I also do my best to maintain always a blameless conscience, conscience both before God and before men. Now, after several years, I came to bring alms to my nation and to present offerings in which they found me occupied in the temple, having been purified without any crowd or uproar. But there were some Jews from Asia who ought to have been present before you and to make accusation if they should have anything against me. Or else let these men themselves tell what misdeed they found when I stood before the council, other than for this one statement, which I shouted out while standing among them. For the resurrection of the dead, I am on trial before you today. But Felix, having a more exact knowledge about the way, put them off, saying, When Lysias the commander comes down, I will decide your case. Then he gave orders to the centurion for him to be kept in custody and yet have some freedom not to prevent any of his friends from ministering to him. Some days later, Felix arrived with Drusilla, his wife, who was a Jewess, and sent for Paul and heard him speak about faith in Christ Jesus. But as he was discussing righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix became frightened and said, Go away from the, for the present, and when I find time, I will summon you. At the same time, too, he was hoping that money would be given him by Paul. Therefore, he also used to send for him quite often and converse with him. But after two years had passed, Felix was succeeded by Portius Festus. And wishing to do the Jews a favor, Felix left Paul imprisoned. Chapter 25. Festus then, having arrived in the province three days later, went up to Jerusalem from Caesarea. And the chief priests and the leading men of the Jews brought charges against Paul, and they were urging him, requesting a concession against Paul, that he might have brought, brought him brought to Jerusalem, at the same time setting an ambush to kill him on the way. Festus then answered that Paul was being kept in custody at Caesarea, and that he himself was about to leave shortly. Therefore, he said, let the influential men among you go there with me, and if there's anything wrong about the man, let them prosecute him. 
After he had spent not more than eight or ten days among them, he went down to Caesarea and on the next day took his seat on the tribunal and ordered Paul to be brought. After Paul arrived, the Jews who had come down from Jerusalem stood around him, bringing many and serious charges against him, which they could not prove, while Paul said in his own defense, I have committed no offense either against the law of the Jews or against the temple or against Caesar. But Festus, wishing to the Jews a favor, answered Paul and said, Are you willing to go up to Jerusalem and stand trial before me on these charges? But Paul said, I am standing before Caesar's tribunal where I ought to be tried. I have done no wrong to the Jews, as you also very well know. If, then, I am a wrongdoer and have committed anything worthy of death, I do not refuse to die. But if none of those things is true, of which these men accuse me, no one can hand me over to them. I appeal to Caesar. Then when Festus had confirmed with his counsel, he answered, You have appealed to Caesar? To Caesar you shall go. Now when several days had elapsed, King Agrippa and Bernice arrived at Caesarea and paid their respects to Festus. While they were spending many days there, Festus laid Paul's case before the king, saying, There's a man who was left as a prisoner by Felix. When I was at Jerusalem, the chief priests and elders of the Jews brought charges against him, asking for a sentence of condemnation against him. I answered them that it is not the custom of the Romans to hand over any man before the accused meets his accusers face to face and has an opportunity to make his defense against the charges. So after they had assembled there, I did not delay, but on the next day took my seat on the tribunal and ordered the man to be brought before me. When the accusers stood up, they began bringing charges against him, not of such crimes as I was expecting, but they simply had some points of disagreement with him about their own religion and about a dead man, Jesus, whom Paul asserted to be alive. Being at a loss how to investigate such matters, I asked whether he was willing to go up to Jerusalem and there stand trial on these matters. But when Paul appealed to be held in custody for the emperor's decision, I ordered him to be kept in custody until I send him to Caesar. Then Agrippa said to Festus, I also would like to hear the man myself. Tomorrow, he said, you shall hear him. So on the next day when Agrippa came together with Bernice amid great pomp and entered the auditorium accompanied by the commanders and the prominent men of the city at the command of Festus, Paul was brought in. Festus said, King Agrippa and all you gentlemen here present with us, you see this man about whom all the people of the Jews appealed to me, both at Jerusalem and here, loudly declaring that he ought not to live any longer. But I found that he had committed nothing worthy of death, and since he himself appealed to the emperor, I decided to send him. Yet I have nothing definite about him to write to my Lord. Therefore, I have brought him before you all, and especially before you, King Agrippa, so that after the investigation has taken place, I may have something to write. For it seems absurd to me in sending a prisoner not to indicate also the charges against him. Agrippa said to Paul, You are permitted to speak for yourself. Then Paul stretched out his hand and proceeded to make his defense. In regard to all the things of which I am accused by the Jews, I consider myself fortunate, Kim Agrippa, that, that I am about to make my defense before you today, especially because you are an expert in all customs and questions among the Jews. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. 
So then all the Jews, all Jews know my manner of life from my youth up, which from the beginning was spent among my own nation and at, and at Jerusalem, since they have known about me for a long time, if they are willing to testify that I lived as a Pharisee according to the strictest sect of our religion. And now I am standing trial for the hope of the promise made by God to our fathers, the promise to which our twelve tribes hope to attain as they earnestly serve God night and day. And for this hope, O king, I am being accused by Jews. Why is it considered incredible among you people if God does raise the dead? So then, I thought to myself that I had to do many things hostile to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And this is just what I did in Jerusalem. Not only did I lock up many of the saints in prisons, having received authority from the chief priests, but also when they were being put to death, I cast my vote against them. And as I punished them often in all synagogues, I tried to force them to blaspheme. And being furiously enraged at them, I kept pursuing them even to foreign cities. While so engaged as I was journeying to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests, at midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining all around me and those who were journeying with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew dialect, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Is it hard for you to kick against the goads? And I said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and stand on your feet. For this purpose I have appeared to you to appoint you a minister and a witness, not only to the things which you have seen, but also to the things in which I will appear to you, rescuing you from the Jewish people and from the Gentiles, to whom I am sending you, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the dominion of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. So, King Agrippa, I did not prove disobedient to the heavenly vision, but kept declaring both to those of Damascus first and also at Jerusalem and then throughout all the region of Judea, and even to the Gentiles, that they should repent, turn to God, performing deeds appropriate to repentance. For this reason, some Jews seized me in the temple and tried to put me to death. So having obtained help from God, I stand to this day testifying to both to small and great, stating nothing but what the prophets and Moses said was going to take place that the Christ was to suffer, and that by the reason of his resurrection from the dead, he would be the first to proclaim the light, both to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. While Paul was saying this in his defense, Festus said in a loud voice, Paul, you're out of your mind. Your great learning is driving you mad. But Paul said, I'm not out of my mind, most excellent Festus, but I utter words of sober truth. For the king knows about these matters, and I speak to him also with confidence, since I am persuaded that none of these things escape his notice, for this has not been done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you do. Agrippa replied to Paul, in a short time you will persuade me to become a Christian? And Paul said, I would wish to God that whether in a short or long time, not only you but also 
all who hear me this day might become such as I am, except for these chains. The king stood up, and the governor and Bernice, and those who were sitting with them, and they, began, and they had gone aside and began talking to one another, saying, This man is not doing anything worthy of death or imprisonment. And Agrippa said to Festus, This man might have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. Woo! Come on, Paul, right? This dude is a, he's a, he's strong in his trials. Strong in his trials. Okay, so I've talked for a little while. How long did that take, by the way? Almost 20 minutes. That should be every sermon, right? 20 minutes, let's just read the Bible. It's good stuff. Wow, what an adventure, right? All these uh, uh, accusations, Paul's defense. Uh, What stood out to you? What what some of the things that popped out to you as we read? Let's just contemplate together for a little bit. And then we'll draw some conclusions and take communion. Anything pop out to you? Some themes of the accusations or themes of Paul's defense? Jake? Where were the Jews, right? They're all over the place, aren't they? And you can tell as soon as Paul brought up Gentiles, they're like, oh, went crazy. And then Paul's like, I got Pharisees, I got Sadducees. I know what I'll do. I'll get them in debate with each other. And so then all of a sudden, because the Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection or spirits or angels. So resurrection. And now the Pharisees and Sadducees are fighting. Now the Pharisees are defending Paul, the ones who were just accusing him. They're all over the place, right? They literally are losing their minds. Okay, good. Uh, how reasonable Paul is and like how he keeps his cool when people like Festus called him insane. But he was like, no, most excellent Festus. Like, kept, like he was, he was level-headed the whole time. Cool under pressure, right? He was strong. He was strong. What did Jesus say? Hey, when you come on trial... I'll give you the words to say, right? Don't be afraid. That's good. Now, he did lose it a little bit when he was slapped. So he's still human, right? He's like, you, you're judging me according to the law, but you just violated the law, you whitewashed wall. Dude, that's the high priest. Oh, snap. See, Paul in Paul's mind, Christianity was not different from the Jewish religion. It was the fulfillment of the, the, the temple, the law, the prophets. Does that make sense? And it wasn't until, in the Jews for the most part, some of them believed, some didn't, but it wasn't until the Gentiles got brought into the equation that the Jews started to freak out. Why? Why? What, what, why? What? Because the Jews were super racist. They were the upper echelon. They were the chosen ones. They were the ones that, they were God's anointed. They were the ones. And they forgot, though, that God did choose Abraham and blessed him. But why? So that Abraham would be a blessing to all nations. Does that make sense? They had, got, they had made it about themselves. Instead, it's not about us. It's about so we can be a conduit of blessing. 
All right? But they had forgotten that over the, over the years, over the centuries. Um, yeah, great. Jesse? I think he was trying to be funny. Yeah. Don't, don't, you, I don't, don't you think? Yeah. Yeah, except for the chains. You know? I love it. Doesn't lose, sight. doesn't lose sight of his mission. Actually, that's what, he says it over and over again. Why he See, he was called by God to be a light to the Gentiles. And no matter who, the kings, the pomp, the important people, he was never intimidated by them. He's like, are you trying to help me become a Christian? Uh-huh, that's right. I absolutely am going to help you become a Christian all you to become Christians. And I bet you many of them did. Amen? One more, Tim. Mm. Yeah, amen. Amen. We don't, do we hear of Paul's, hey, did it, by the way, did anyone, did, was there any, anyone find him guilty? No, Jewish mom, they couldn't prove. Jewish council, nothing, except the Romans had to rest. The Romans were more sober-minded than the Jews were, okay? Felix, did he find him guilty? Nope, but he tried to bribe him and delay him and whatever for two years. But do, did we hear Paul complaining during that two years about how being unjustly treated? Never once. Festus, nope. Agrippa, nope. So he's strong in his defense. Why? Because he knows he's innocent. He knows he's innocent. Okay, let me just draw a few conclusions, and then we'll take communion. Strong through trials. Paul is a strong defendant. He's a strong defendant. Before Felix, the accusation was sectarianism. Okay? Sectarianism. His defense is that Christianity is not an illegal sect. Okay, so, so the Romans said any, any current religion, go ahead and have your religion. Okay, that was the freedom really of religion, but you can't start a new religion. So they're trying to tell the Romans, hey, this is a new religion. Paul's like, this is not a new religion. This is a fulfillment of the Jewish religion, fulfillment of the law, the prophets, the temple, etc. in Jesus. Amen? Um, the verdict, he was an innocent, faithful Jew, okay? Festus said the, the accusation was, you're stirring up trouble, you're going against Rome, sedition. His defense was, no, as a Christian, I'm a good citizen. As Christians, we are not revolting against the government, amen? We are called to be good citizens. Now, if the government tells us to do something against the government, capital T-H-E, capital government, what am I talking about? The kingdom of God. That's the government, amen? So if this little G government calls us to disobey the big G government, then who are we going to obey? We're going to obey God and not men, amen? But having said that, um, we're not out to overthrow the government, <laughs> Amen? We're good citizens. Paul's like, I'm a good, I'm a good Roman. I'm not stirring up nothing. 
Matter of fact, the Christians are going to help the government achieve the purpose of the government, which is supposed to be to take care of the poor and the widows and the needy and the orphans, etc., etc. See, the government has to do its job, too much of a job, at sometimes because the church is not doing its job. Right? So let's do our job as the church. Paul's like, no, I'm not, I'm not uh, guilty of that. I'm a good citizen. Agrippa uh, doesn't really have an accusation. More is like, why are the Jews so mad at you, dude? Uh, he's like, Paul's defense is because they got issues with the Gentiles. That's why they're so mad at me. I haven't even broken the Jewish law. Uh, and his defense is, I'm a faithful disciple. Okay? Um, you say, well, I'm not on trial. What's this got to do with me? Let me tell you something. You may not be on trial today, but Christianity is on trial. Jesus is on trial. The real Jesus is on trial. And the question is, are you a strong defendant of the faith? Are you a strong defender of Jesus and of the faith? And you're prepared to answer for the hope that you have. Amen? Um, your actions don't hide Jesus. They lift him up. Your actions as an apprentice of Jesus were like him, right? Uh, we have integrity on the job. Why don't you lie like everyone else does? Because I'm a Christian. Why don't you cheat? Why don't you swear? Why don't you get drunk with everyone else at happy hour? Why don't you have affairs? Why don't you do all the stuff that everyone else is doing? Your Christianity is on trial by the world. And let's be strong defenders of the faith. Amen? Okay. How about your words? Are you apologetic for the faith? Or are you an apologist? Which means defender. Um, do you hide it? Are you ashamed? Or are you convicted and confident? I know I'm innocent. I know this is true. And here's why it's true. And I'm not going to be ashamed of its truth or hide its truth. How about you under trial? Are you prepared to answer? Do you know why you believe? Or do you just believe because mom and dad believes? This is a good one for the teens and college students. Do you have your own convictions? Or are you just going along with the crowd? What if the crowd fell away? What if the crowd said, I don't really believe anymore? Would you know why you believe? we got to wrestle with those things, right? We've got to have our own convictions. All right. And secondly, Paul as a strong witness. Just like Jesse said, never lost sight of his mission to go make disciples, to be a light. Um, before Felix, Felix, um, Felix was one of the worst of the Roman officials. He was cruel, he was full of lust and greed and had no moral scruples. So what did Paul talk to Felix about? He says he talked to him of righteousness, self-control, and future judgment. And what Felix said, oh, I'm so convicted, please baptize me. It's like, oh, that's enough. Uh, go away. And uh, when I have time, I'll sin for you. Man, does that not sound like some of the people I study the Bible with. Let's talk about sin. Let's talk about repentance. Oh, that's enough. You can just go away now, Mr. Jolie, in your little Bible, because I'm busy. All of a sudden, I got super busy. Oh, well, somehow you have hours upon hours to play video games and watch TV. 
um, but you can't open the Word of God. Yeah, I'll tell you why, because I'm afraid. Actually, they don't say that. They come up with other reasons. Okay? Paul reminds me of John the Baptist here with, when he was in prison, and Herod sleeping with the wrong woman. And John the Baptist is like, Herod, you, that's not your wife. Maybe you forgot what she looked like because you don't love her anyway. But that, the woman you're sleeping with, and he's talked of righteousness and judgment. Oh, our society doesn't like right talk of judgment and righteousness and right and wrong. But as disciples, right, as faithful witnesses, we must divide the truth, divide the Word of God uh, accurately and speak truth into that darkness because it's not just to stand in judgment, it's to free them from the judgment to come. Amen? We don't stand self-righteously. We stand as sinners who have been forgiven and experiencing the freedom and just want others to come and be like us. Not like us, like our awesomeness, but like us as in our forgiveness. Amen and amen? Um, Paul was not afraid. Paul was not afraid of Felix. King Agrippa, um, he came in pomp and power, and all the notables were in court. So it's like if we had a trial, Grayson was on trial down at the, the, the court center, and the president came, and the, the senators came. And I remember one time I did, a, um, I did a funeral for a fallen soldier in Minneapolis, and the governor of Minnesota was there, and the umpteen star generals and all this stuff were there in military. It was like, and I was like, whoa, this is kind of intense. But the Spirit strengthened me, and I wasn't afraid, amen? And I shared what I needed to share. Um, so pomp and power, notables in court. And Paul, remember, this is from, a, um, from um, Stott, the commentary. He said, according to tradition, he, being Paul, was only a little fellow, in an unprepossessing in appearance, balding, amen, with beetle brows, a hooked nose, and bandy legs, wearing neither crown nor gown, but only handcuffs and perhaps a plain prisoner's tunic. He, nevertheless, dominated the court with his quiet, Christ-like dignity and confidence. Come on, Paul! That's what I'm talking about, right? You know, crowning of purple robes. He's a prisoner for Jesus, but he's got the truth. He has the power of the Spirit, and the world doesn't have anything on him. He's unimpressed by the world, right? And he's not afraid of death. Um, and he shares Jesus in that court. And he's not persuaded by kings and by power. He's not worried about gaining their approval. He's worried about their eternal destiny. And so he's not getting persuaded. He's persuading them. How about you? Are you persuaded or are you persuading the world? It's going to be one of those two. Paul was not impressed. He was not intimidated. And he was not ashamed of the gospel. That's why he writes in Romans 1.17, said, I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God. The power of God. Um, you say, well, that's fine. If I came before a bunch of important people, I'd stand up for Jesus too. Well, how about your neighbors? 
Are you standing up for Jesus, your coworkers, your boss, your teachers, your professors? Um, the star athletes, when you get around them um, at school, are you wanting their approval or Jesus' approval? You can't have both. Be a strong witness. Amen? Paul was a strong witness. He was not ashamed of his chains. He was not ashamed of his message. And he was not ashamed of his Lord. And so he stood strong as a strong witness. Okay, so as we prepare for communion, Paul was finishing strong through his trials. Strong defense of and witness for Jesus, for the gospel, for Christianity. Jesus stood by him and gave him strength. Wow, Paul was a really strong man. That's not what Paul says. Paul says, I came in fear and trembling. And so we know it was Jesus that gave him strength and will give you strength. Let Paul's strong finish call us to a strong journey and strong finish as well. As we remember Jesus, let's remember that though we are weak, he stands by us and gives us strength. Therefore, we are unimpressed by the world, unintimidated by its power, unafraid of its, of its rejection, unashamed of Jesus and the gospel because we are strong in the grace of Jesus and in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Let's go ahead and pray for communion. Father, thank you for Jesus, as we remember him during this time. Thank you for the Apostle Paul who helps us see Jesus in him, helps us understand how emboldened by the Holy Spirit we can be like Jesus and we can draw strength from Jesus. Father, we confess our weakness, we confess our struggles. None of us are very strong, and yet we know in you and by your power and strength, we can be the man and the woman for the job, to witness, to defend, to preach your gospel to this dark, dark world in desperate need of it. Father, help us to imitate Paul as he imitates Jesus. Help us to, re to think about that and ponder and chew on that as we take this time of communion. We love you and pray in Jesus' name. Amen.